don't think she is. Meet the Kennedys at Lassiter's, hole at the waterhole. A cup of tea at Harold Sonia's nursery for a stroll. It's time to neighbors. CJ, Kate, and Bea. Let's get the neighbors. Hello, this is Neighbours. We are the Neighbours Recap Podcast, overanalyzing episodes of the Australian soap opera Neighbours that are airing in whatever order Australia and the rest of the world decide to air them. We are in Australia. We're in Melbourne's Paratnet Studios. Well, I am. I'm Vaya. And I have, via the Grace and Global Connection, dialed in. Catherine Jones, also known as CJ the Hot Mess Mum. Hello. Hello, everyone. How are you going lately? I'm doing well. Um, before a news report came on and said, latest report on COVID, and I said, no, and I turned it off. Yeah, opt out. Opt out. And we have Kate, also known as Remude, on Twitter. Kate, hello. Hi, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. And we're all actually in Victoria, and the rest of Australia's like started to loosen its restrictions, and Victoria's like, hold up. Why don't we just see how this pans out? <laughs> no, we have faith in Papa Andrews here and we're going to follow his rules and yep. keep everything tight. Exactly. And fight that second wave before it even comes. Yeah, we're going to look at the test subjects. We're going to look at Drab Willis and Madison Robinson and all the other... Um, oh, the, the, the expendables. Yeah, up in Queensland. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Kenny. Sorry, Mary. Sorry, Sammy. But <laughs> thanks. Thanks for the sacrifice. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah. Now, we had a fun week of Neighbours Viewing. I really enjoyed the week. I feel like I've said that a lot lately, but I feel like if it's warranted, I should say it because, you know, we're meant to enjoy the episodes. It was a bit lighter than last week, which helped. Oh, yes, yes. How could it not be light when you start with a soft launch event at Lassiter's Rooftop? Wow. It started off being a soft launch. Then it became harder, so... It hardened. It hardened up. Ned Ned hardened the soft launch. What could we call it then? Is it like a a semi, semi soft launch? (laughs) Matt on the Neighbours Council, our Facebook group, asked what happens when you don't have a soft launch. What is it, CJ? What would it be? Um, Well, it would be a a full launch or a PR stunt. A launch, yeah. Yeah. And what he did by using some buzzwords, make it a PR stunt. That's what he did. And the best concept ever. So it's this launch of the pool, the rooftop pool at Lassiter's in winter. Uh, Winter's approaching. It's autumn, to be fair. And there was back and forth about what sort of clientele they were trying to attract. In the end, Ned decides to go for some Bopo. Body positivity, very on vogue, very inclusive. Well done, Ned. Appreciate the inclusivity. However... All these conventionally attractive people on Ramsey Street didn't know where to go to find conventional-looking people. <laughs> That's what their problem was. It's, uh, slower than we expected. It also looks nothing like what you promised. Where's the rest of your guest list? What happened to the whole body-positive thing? I'm working on it. It's hard to do that with so few people, all of who look like they've walked straight off a catwalk. I'm trying to sort it out now, right? I had Sheila help No, 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 no. Good employees do not present problems, they present solutions. I mean, they could have looked at their neighbours, but they didn't. Anyone. I think they asked a couple, but not everyone was free that day, which was the issue, day of. I suppose not all of them wanted to hop in the pool in, you know, like approaching winter weather as well. Just jump onto Facebook, join like a a full-bodied yoga Facebook group or something, put the feelers out. 
He started off doing okay by reaching out to the grief group, but also they're grieving. So. I don't know. It's, does grief go hand in hand with being body positive as well? I think he was just thinking there'd be some senior citizens there who have lost some loved ones late in life. Like coil. Yeah. And, and gain some other things. <laughs> it is a really weird Venn diagram. Grief group, the gym, the shed gym I'm talking about, and the Lassiter's pool. Also put in people who keep their bathers in the boot of their car as well. That's true. In autumn. And as Vaya mentioned, it's autumn, but it's freaking cold. Also, I love that the well was dry at the shed. Aaron's like, nah, no, I goes at my gym. Yeah. Bunch of poses. <laughs> but also, isn't the whole concept of body positive and inclusivity is that everyone can come? <laughs> yes, everyone's welcome because there's no definition. It's however you identify. Harlow's a gorgeous young lady, but she was having body positivity issues. She didn't want to strip down because she was feeling intimidated next to Roxy. And so Hendrix sweetly was like, let's jump in with our clothes on. But that's the point of body positivity is that, you know, everyone views their body differently and it's just about embracing all shapes and sizes. But also she's a a normal 17-year-old girl, so it is completely normal (laughs) that she wouldn't want to take her bathers off in front of everyone she knows or take her clothes off rather. (laughs) I feel like the, the failure of this event, you know, as much as I hate to say it isn't in Ned's hands, it's in the hands of whoever decided to hold this event in May rather than February. Even like October, November would have been great. Oh, yeah. Post-races event, everyone would take their clothes off. There would be no need for bathers in the boot of your car. Spray tan fresh. Exactly. Um, Therese mentions early on Monday that his only task is to get people to go to a place where there's no people there already. So it's quite a low bar. That he's been set. Basically, he could have, as Kate mentioned, just invited his neighbours and everything would have been fine. So what does Ned do next then? He cracks a tanty and quits his job. (laughs) Yeah. Cracks the shits. I think that's my Ned moment from the last maybe two to three years. I've been waiting for him to fire up for quite a while. Leia, I actually thought this was him just in, I feel like we need to get a new sting for him here, like get get out Beck's loser. <laughs> nah. He's, he's fully embracing the Willis in that situation. No, I think he finally got the cojones to own what he wants out of life. He's an artist. He's not a concierge. No, he's drab Willis the second. He's just like, I don't want to work for a living. I just want to continue to mooch off my ex-stepmom and her new husband and just sit around pulling bongs all day. Within 24 hours, he was on the hustings. He was out looking for part-time work to supplement his art career. Look, he had a domain. He'd um, got an Instagram (laughs) ID. Yes, yes, you can do all that stuff from your couch. (laughs) Which he did do it from, well, Tarage's little couch. I mean, I... I know he's an artist and I don't want to disrespect people that throw in their, you know, their day job. Good, good. I I don't. Most artists don't though. (laughs) Most artists have like a form of income other than their art. He should have registered to be an Uber driver before he quit. But anyway. Yeah, he should have. Um, But also most artists have some idea of what they want to do. When they quit, if they're going to, not he just... He does. He wants to paint another mural for a dead person. Well, that's a freaking niche industry, mate. <laughs> he liked that. Yeah. Has he seen how many good street artists there are out there? Yeah. I mean, he used to do those tours. He should know. He does. He still does the tours. Well, he not anymore, but he was doing the tours up till recently. Well, that's what he should be doing. He should be saying to Race, I don't want to run the pool. I want to 
do more of these tours. Let's promote them more. He can branch out and run his own business. There are businesses that do them independently, like full stop. He could just run his own. Just get back on the bloody tattoo gun, Ned, and make some money and do your art as a side gig until it takes off. Yeah, yeah he's fine. I have complete faith. He's fine. He'll pick up something. He's fine because he's mooching off to Rage and Paul. Yeah. No. No, but he, he pays rent. Like Yashvi said, your rent's not much. So that yeah. means he's at least paying rent. So below market rent. But, okay, do not gloss over the fact that Paul is a workplace bully and cannot manage his staff. Well, he's, look, he shouldn't have been promoted out of being a porter. No. Well, yeah, because he had no interest. He's like, I'm bored at being a porter. And Trey just like, here you go. Climb the ladder, white boy. Mate, go and find a job with the colonel. Yeah. <laughs> I just think Paul screaming at his employee who got handed this event two days ago is not the correct way to produce an outcome. Possibly, but he's just classic business owner where he thinks that everyone should be as in love with his business as he is. Ugh, good luck. It's what it's what all of them act like. No one is though. <laughs> No, no one is. No one ever is. But anyway, that that amazing moment where he just walked off through his threw in the towel literally and um off he went was a triumph in my mind. If he was drab, I would say that's it. He's putting his feet up for the rest of the year. But I think there is a bit of Beth Brennan in there and I think we have to have faith in the Beth Brennan gene. Oh, what did she ever do, by the way? We don't even know. She sang Torn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's got to have something to do with horses. Wasn't she into horses? Sounds legit. Yeah. Okay, that brought me a lot of joy to start the week. Later in the week, what's the other big thing, Kate, that brought us all joy? Oh, my goodness. The return of the epic Naomi Canning. Arnie Gnomes, welcome back. Oh, I was so thrilled to see her again. Like, she was, she was always such a joyful character to me. Just, yeah, a bit sassy, a bit cheeky, but I just, I just really liked it. What about you guys? I was so happy to see her. Um, in fact, we recorded some Q&A answers the other week and I was really torn on whether she would be like my spirit animal. She's one of the people <laughs> that I would hold dear. And also, um, Colette Nan loves the actress yeah. very much and she's always wanted her to return. So it was thrilling to see her back for Sheila and Colette. That They feel like such a good family and I think it's all Colette just bringing them all together like – Naomi, Gazcan, Zancan, Call. And the balance seems off when the cannery is down a number, a member, you know, like it's mm. good to have bodies in the mix. Yeah. So when there's just two of them rattling around in there, you just need another another canning. And how imagine just think for a second that the the family that produced Gazcan produced his sister Naomi, who's so fabulous. Like think of genetics. <laughs> What a marvel. You know what? And I was looking, you know, because I'd come to the realisation that Coyle and Gazcan were excellent, um, plausible family casting, something yep. about their eyes. But then I was looking at the scenes with Coyle and Naomi and I'm like, oh, my God, they've got the same eyes as well. Wow. Maybe it's Frank's eyes. Yes, I think so. Because then I was trying to piece together. I was like, well, who did Zancan look like? And I'm like, well, she looked like Brocan and a bit of Sheila as well. And I think that heart-shaped face that Sheila, Naomi and Xanthi all have, it's plausible as well. And they just feel like they have such a genuine affection for each other, which more so than the Kennedy household. But, you know, there's there's a lot of reasons for that. Also, the Kennedy household is made up of nieces at the moment. So, yeah, it's not that grandson, daughter, you know, it's just a little bit once removed. Yeah. Um, and I do really like how they've threaded in where she's been the last few months. So they refer to the fact that she was here for the funeral. We knew that. 
and she went back to Queensland with Xanthi to make sure Xanthi was okay. And I really Aww. liked that detail that Xanthi's not just up there on her own trying to deal with her dad's death. And she was hanging out with Ben too. Yeah. So th- there's a support network up there for Zancan. Yeah. And then she went back to LA and then Coyle summoned her back because Nan's not coping. Oh, did, did you notice that because um, Morgana is a Kiwi and I think she's really pumped up her Aussie accent to, when now she's back on the show because I had to rewind it because I was like, hang on, did she say she'd been in Adelaide? Because I felt like when she said LA, it kind of had this laid kind of thing. But no, I did listen again and it was LA. But I was like, oh. You're right. She does sound Aussie Yeah. It's like when Coyle came back after an absence, he bogged up a bit extra as well. So who else is really happy to see her and who is not happy to see her? Well, it's a little predictable because her ex, Paul Robinson, is delighted. Yeah. And his new wife, Therese, not so much, which I was like, ugh. Can't we just have it that Therese is actually thrilled and gone, oh, great, another event planner. We need these around here. Mm. Good O. But the, oh, look, it reminds Therese of bad times, though, because remember Naomi was nursing Paul through the fake cancer from Dr. Dick? Oh, never forget the fake cancer that her brother, Therese's brother, gave him. <laughs> yeah. He did. I, I Look, I didn't love Therese's feelings, but I loved how excited Paul was to see her. I really enjoyed that because she is amazing and she would be a great event planner and he's just had to deal with dropkick planning an event. And, um, yeah, I was really happy to see that. It all felt very realist, realistic when Naomi ran into different people on the street and around the complex yes. that they were happy to see. Like it was really genuine. Mm. And Toadie, who she used to hold a candle to. Yes, but they were really close too. Then she asked Toadie who the, you know, the bit of hot stuff he was with and he's like, oh, that's me first wife. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I heard she came back. Yeah. Can you imagine can you imagine Sheila on the blower to Naomi about that? Well, turns out the woman who Toadie was first married to is not dead. And then she comes back a few months later, turns out she's a twin. I do like the idea that she didn't need the backstory because Sheila's a massive gossip. So of course that they they would be up to speed with all the Erin's brush shenanigans. Totally. And that's the way life would be. They would see it on Facebook. Like Toadie, he would go from, you know, it's complicated to widower to um, <laughs> my dead wife's back. Oh, no, she's a twin. Oh, we've got a baby. Like, you know. Yeah. What's a step up from it's complicated? <laughs> I feel if I was in that situation with Naomi talking to Toadie, though, I'd be going, I'd be just doing the, like, the what the fuck face at him, just like going, what? And he'd be going, I know, kind of face back at me. I'd be like, this is really. Yeah, you'd mime, we are getting a coffee later. We are going to break this down. <laughs> Yeah, but also did um, Toadie go to the funeral? I feel like he would have. Yes, he did. And that's why it was tricky for a few characters because they had to be excited to see Naomi. But then also they had to remember that they just saw her last month at the funeral off screen. So I think it was a tricky tricky balance for them because you could tell they wanted to go bigger and they really had to pull it back to go, no, we just saw her. But now she's in Melbourne. Yay. Yeah, and plus, like, her brother didn't just die, so we can be happier yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Also, she, well, and of course, she's been brought to Melbourne by Coyle because Sheila has gone cuckoo. Yeah, coo in the pigeon sense. And, well, on, on Monday, she went searching for old Gaz Pidge and he'd, <laughs> he'd gone to – he disappeared, but then she sneaked into the Kennedy's garden and found him keeled over oh. and – 
Yeah, so that caused a fair bit of grief. She wouldn't even let Dr. Carl look at him. That was drawing a long bow, I thought, the Kennedys having to foot the blame for the bloody dead bird. I'm like, all right, guys, give him a break. He ate your poison fruit. <laughs> what? Anyway. He's a bird. He's free. He's free as a river. Coyle came over to um, dispose of said dead bird. Turned out the bird was drunk. Drunk on fermented fruit. Which sells it even more that it's actually Gary in Sheila's eyes. I don't actually, I know that she isn't coping, but I think that it's completely fine to not be coping when your son's been murdered, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Two months, but yeah. Whatever. I think you've got 12 months at (laughs) least. Um, And like... I had like okay. I had a cat die <laughs> once, <laughs> and I was convinced there was a neighbourhood possum that was reincarnated as my cat. And I used to go out on the balcony and talk to this possum. How old were you, CJ? I was twenty eight or so. <laughs> oh man, you needed some Naomi Canning in your life. I d- I did, but like. I think it's okay to sort of rest your feelings on these things. But I I do understand Kyle's worry. She's calling it sick to work and stuff like that. Yeah, when it starts to interfere in your day-to-day life, I think Kyle was right to get some intervention happening when she's now not showing up to her job. Yeah, but then I also wonder, like, maybe she she should still be on bereavement leave. Definitely. Everyone's – the pub seems to be running fine without her at the moment. Logically, the pigeon's not a baby, how can it be a reincarnation of Gazcan if, if they were both alive at the same time? That's true. It's, yep, that's yep, that's an issue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she's thinking it out very logically, though. <laughs> I, I wish Roxy had pointed that out to her. Yeah, poor Roxy. Roxy's the only one who cared. Kyle cared. He just didn't know what the flipping hell to do about it. Get on the Googs, mate. Yeah, what to do? Get Clive. Text Clive. What? what where the hell? I know Clive's in New Zealand, but seriously, Sheila's son just died. Where is he? Well, he's got family in New Zealand. We don't know what has drawn him over there. Maybe it was a family emergency. I mean, I kind of feel like, or well, maybe it's all COVID related and I know they've closed the borders and yeah. everything, but still, like, <laughs> no, you're on my shit list now, Clive. I mean, I, I don't care what led to it. Naomi's back. And we're all thrilled. Yeah. And it was a great um, reveal because we had that nice scene with Paul checking in and saying, hey, do you need help, mate? Are you oh. going? This is the problem I have with Paul. Why are you such a shit bag everywhere else, but sometimes you can be nice? Like, can't you just harness that energy? You know what I wrote down? I wrote down snap, sensitive new age Paul. Yeah, but when it suits him. Yeah, because Paul is three-dimensional. He's not just a. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think there's he's weighted in the wrong dimension. He's not just a binary tool for the patriarchy. <laughs> so then they the reveal is Coyle calls in for help and it's Naomi and she's straight in there. Within 24 hours, she's freaking solved it. She's laying out the tough love. I love it. With the traffic at LAX, she must have been at the airport when he rang. <laughs> like, she she wasn't there. <laughs> I like that she went and gathered evidence. She's like, okay, She's blaming everything on Susan Kennedy. I'm going to go to the horse's mouth. I'm going to figure out what's happened here. But even before that, she's like, well, that doesn't sound fair. <laughs> yeah, it's, and she did immediately go, what was Toadie's deal? What was David's deal? Like, I love that she started naming names. Yeah, no, that was good. I loved it. She was an um, external compassionate viewer of the situation. My favourite part of um, Naomi comforting Suze was Sue saying that she's responsible for Gary's death, Ellie's imprisonment, and, um, yeah, no mention of Prue. 
was like, no one cares, Prue, sorry. Yeah, Prue didn't pack a big punch on that street. But I that was a really tough scene. Like, I imagine that would have been a tough scene because in one scene with a character that's been absent, Susan had to convey that she's barely holding it together but is wearing the blame of all these deaths and tragedies mm. enough so that her friend's daughter can glean that this is a shaky situation and she has to go and write it. Like, it's one scene. It's amazing that that could all come across. Oh, Naomi Naomi's so capable. She should be running Lasseter's full stop. Yeah. I also like that she deferred to Tarage. Like, she didn't assume Paul was in charge at Lasseter's. She's like, Therese, do you need my skills? Oh, well, she's, she's, of course. She knows a capable woman when she sees her. <laughs> she does. And plus, she would have scoped all this out on LinkedIn. Yes. That's what she was doing at LAX Airport, just going through her LinkedIn contacts and being like, where am I going to get some income? But I thought Sue's, well, both of them were amazing in that particular scene because I felt very bad for Susan at the end of that scene. And we've been a bit, you know, on Susan, rightly so. Yeah, justifiably. But I felt like, you know what, she's falling apart. We know she's seeing a psychologist, which is fantastic, but she is definitely in quite a weak situation right now. Yeah, and to the point where she's saying she doesn't deserve a psychologist, that she doesn't deserve to feel bad, that like that's rough stuff. Like you've, you know. And she's she's physically frail as well, isn't she? Yeah, there's a point where the next day Claudia won't let her even look at Aster in the pram and she looked so physically wobbly in that moment. Like I can't even look at my granddaughter and I'm about to literally fall over. Like it was so fragile and amazing. Yeah, that, I mean, I know that, like, when you've got a child to sleep, you don't want anyone disturbing it, but, gosh, that was that was harrowing. And B reacted, didn't you? Yeah. Lift up the bunny rug, bitch. But, well, when you contrast it with, I think, two weeks ago when um, Carl's looking after Aster at home and he's got he's, she's fallen asleep on his shoulder and um, Claudia comes in and she's like, oh, can I, can I hold her? And he's like, oh, she's just fallen asleep. Oh. And then he goes, oh, but all right. Yeah, he handed over, physically handed over a sleeping baby to her. Yeah. I, I thought that a few times this week when Susan and different people tried to see Asta and Claudia's like, oh, no, the court says once. And it's like, wait a second, you used to come around unannounced <laughs> all the time. Well, more, more for the Kennedys for that one. And we'll get to a new detail in her situation shortly. Okay, so what's Naomi's solution to the whole Susan Sheila Barney? Oh, what does an event planner do, CJ? She stages a lockdown. <laughs> Which is risky when you're dealing with a recent victim of an abduction. Actually, that's very true. <laughs> Susan was like essentially held in that cabin with Finn <laughs> for 24 hours. And we're like, oh, we'll just re-traumatise your love. It's for the greater good. It's all right. We took the knives out of the drawers. <laughs> what a touch. Oh, dear. Um, but I knew from the second that they did it, it was going to work. Oh, thank God. Because uh, Colette mentioned on Twitter that this feud was going to last a while. And I think if it had gone on beyond to this week, it would have been, okay, that's enough, guys. But I think yeah, she's come in, she's found the solution, and it worked. And I like that. I don't expect you to ever forgive me. But I do feel as though I've lost something. What? Fear? Trust, trust in in myself, in other people. Ellie's in prison. Aster's with Claudia. B could have died. So could Harlow. So could Tony. And I, I know there's nothing I can say that will ever bring back. 
poor Gary. And I, I'm to blame for all of it. And now I feel as though I'm lost. One of my closest friends too. I think we could do with it, Tina. Guess what? This this old grey stone here actually teared up a bit listening to Sue's talk. Oh, oh wow! Isn't it? For me, I didn't tear up because I was just kind of in awe of the performances. It was just seeing two people match fit, top of their game, two of the matriarchs of the Australian showbiz industry just smashing out a top day at the office. Yeah. I loved watching them work in that scene. And, Kate, you'll be happy to know in that scene, Susan brought up Prue. Yes. <laughs> yes. I did note that because I was kind of hoping she wouldn't so we could still have another <laughs> laugh at her there. Um, But she lets Sheila know and it was in the most delightful moment because there was almost no words that had to be said. So Carl is furious at what Naomi's done and they head back to Therese and Paul's mansion. (laughs) I'll call it a mansion. Why not? They get in the back door just in time for Susan's really losing it and Sheila's sitting there with her tissue box and instead of hugging her or, you know, sort of going over the top, Sheila just – there's a shift where she moves the tissue box over to Susan, oh. like it's a physical shift. And that it was from that moment and then Carl and Naomi are like, no, look, we, lead, we need to leave these ladies to it. They're going to figure it out. Imagine if old mate Carl had busted in on that scene and ruined all that good work. Oh, I would have been devastated. Oh, he would have been at the top yeah. of my shit list. <laughs> Um, gosh, Carl and Susan, it doesn't look like anything's helping them out, does it? Kate, do you want to mention our other brief visitor we had this week? Oh, that would be Olivia Bell. Who we know as? Elise Platt, Sale of the Century. Sale of the Century. (laughs) So, uh, Elise Platt was in 1995, Jen Handley, Luke Handley's mature age medical student sister. And aside from that, she was also an artist and a Shea Shares barmaid. Jen Handley, yes. But also, did she date Carl? She um she dated Philip Martin when he was a recent widower. Because I thought they brought her back. I have the memory of her flirting with Carl back in the day. Oh, you would. You, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't I? Exactly. Fits the shoe fits. I think you're confusing one depressing middle aged man for another. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was Philip Martin. <laughs> So in, I assume, probably her second role as Olivia Bell, the last time we actually saw her, she um, went on a couple of dates with Carl when he was on one of his many breaks from Susan. Yeah, that's what I remembered. I remembered her doing that. Yeah. For someone who appears to have dated a lot of men on the internet, she was very um, had a very good memory of what she did with Carl. They had their first date in the waterhole. And then the second date was one of her worst dates ever. And that's when he cooked for her at home. Well, see... She's been on the socials. She's been following him very closely. She's been clicking like on all these bloody right prescription events. You know, she's keeping tabs. Or she's doing the standard watches the stories but doesn't actually follow him. Oh, yeah. You've got to be careful of that. So they spend like an evening at the bar and then he kind of spontaneously spends the night at Lassiter's. And I reckon he's my Kate Stradamus of the week that eventually that will be retconned into him having had an affair with her that night. <gasps> I've just done the Chris Pratt meme face. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Just like they retconned 
the kiss with Sarah into him, you know, the two of them bumping uglies. Mm. This is going to be, now, oh, yeah, I spent the night in her hotel room. Oh, my God. No, and remember how Susan talked about that in the car with Finn? How she talked about when she was, it was like a part of her died or something. I think that's the way she's framed it. I can't remember, but it was pretty traumatic the way that she said it that time. Well, a part of her better get ready to come back as a pigeon. They've got a very unhealthy relationship dynamic, Mm -hmm. but they're just keeping too many lies from each other. But also, Carl's being really needy. I don't know. I don't know who to blame. I think he's just, like, he's overall worried about her health. He's It's kind of like a COVID thing where he's very worried about the health and the physical health. And she's really like, look, my mental health's crap and I need to get out of it all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I understand where he's coming from, but he's going at her from a place of anger. And it's not, it's not working. She keeps saying that. I don't need you to come to school. I don't need you to have a go at me in public. Well, she needed someone to come to school. She needed to be rescued by Paul. That's true. But now she's like, can we not talk about this? I've got my psych to talk to about this. It's a very unhealthy dynamic though. To like, not even to say as a commitment to my relationship, I'm going to mention to you when I'm going to the psych or whatever. Well, so I often tell my partner things late at night in bed when we're like cuddled up going, by the way, I've made this difficult decision or I'm worried about this or I'm anxious about that. Maybe she was just waiting for bedtime. Blue box, get it out. Have a yarn about the day. But he's like an hour later. Why didn't you tell me you saw D or B or whatever? It's like, give her a minute. But she just, you know, she'd done that big lie last week about the, the Paul situation do you learn from your fights you have with your partner or do you do you just continue making them? But she didn't want her doctor husband doctoring her. I can understand that lie with Paul. Like, I don't want him to freaking stress out at, at me. I just need a day to deal. But she got into a massive fight with him about, like, not telling him things and then the very next week she didn't tell him something. Paul does it every day. We're not talking about Paul. We're talking about Carl and Susan who are, like, are not relationship goals. Yeah, but you have the same standards for Paul's relationships. Because when someone asks him not to do something, he immediately turns around and does the opposite. But Paul's not married to Carl. But we're talking about a couple who are, you know, are meant to be like, you know, the gold standard for relationships and neighbours, which is a bloody joke considering how many times they've been divorced. This, they're causing dramas for themselves here. They're turning against each other in a time where they actually need to unite and be at one against the rest of the world. Maybe they could be the poster children for ethical non-monogamy. CJ, were you going to say something? Um, I think the thing is, is this is just going back to the fact that Finn's feelings coming back for Ali were a sign that his memories were coming back and Susan kept that from the whole family and then look what happened. Someone in the council, I think it was Becky, brought up, it's very strange that no one's actually grieving Finn in terms of, B lost a boyfriend. You know, Ellie had feelings for the guy. Like, mm. there's no period of grief for relationships lost. It's true. that They've moved past the, the, the betrayal. They've completely mm. kind of passed that grief for the betrayal, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, it's understandable that they, they don't want to grieve psychopath Finn, but they liked another version of him. Yeah, and B is carrying a lot of mental load at the moment. She's now playing the role of kid of possibly divorced parents and trying to like deflect arguments and taking them off shopping and that's a lot for her to deal with it's it's not her role to play like they're adults they should be out it they've look god imagine how much counseling they've been through over the years use some of those tools sort your shit out but anyway now d's there d's staying there 
And I love Dee's insight into it when she goes, oh, I think you guys need more time alone without people in the <laughs> yeah. house. Yeah. You guys need to talk it out a bit. So Dee's going to come and live there, which is fine because they were like, hey, we've got this bedroom and look, it looks like Ali won't need it for one to three. <laughs> Do, what about when they told Ali that? They didn't even say, it's just until you're back. Yeah. Like if you get out of prison, she's gone, mate. <laughs> they didn't preface any of that. <laughs> They're just like, we've got D staying. Soz. <laughs> now, I know we're not really going to talk about Alley Prison because I'm sure there's a lot more to come next week and we'll talk about it then. But I've got I've got a plant rant. Okay. I have, Okay, <laughs> definitely. But I have my favorite line of the week was when the Kennedys went to see Ally. And Ally's in a bad way. She's not things are going very badly for her and Ooh, I, yeah. I think Kate will touch on this with her plant rant. Well she's yeah, she's had the shit beaten out of her. She has, yeah. B says, We can help you. We can ask Toadie. <laughs> and I just laughed and laughed because what the hell is Toadie gonna do about it? He couldn't do anything about not getting her in there. Beatrix, the toad horse has bolted. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's time to move on. He brought a new girl over to live in your house. He doesn't care about her. Nah. When they were discussing back in the Ken Den about whether Ellie was lying to them about getting beaten up or whatever, and I was like Team Carl then, if Ellie won't tell them the truth, then don't bother speculating about it. Like, there's no point worrying about what your loved one's being subjected to in prison if she's not going to tell you the truth about what's actually happening. Just keep talking to her and try and get it out of her if you can. And also, no, I, I, I think she's in prison and she has to deal with the reality that she's in prison mm. and these things happen in prison. But also, actually, the visits are the only thing that keep these kind of women going. Um, particular, I'm, I can't imagine what it's like to be innocent um, and in there. But when you're in a traumatic situation like this, make the visits good. Don't do this. Yeah. Don't harp on, geez, that's a real shiner yeah. you've got coming on there. <laughs> Who's top dog this week? Can we? Can I find out? <laughs> Actually, F- Phil asked me. He said, "Do you think Ellie will turn and become the hot top dog?" And I said, "Not a chance in hell. She's weak as piss." If it was Wentworth, for sure. Like we'd get a good season, and then she'd rise. Now you know who Ellie is. She's gay for the time. She would find the top dog, become her. B. I mean, she's bisexual. Yeah. Let, let's remember this as well. She is bisexual. I had forgotten. She is. Yeah, well, she doesn't put labels on it. She doesn't put labels on it. Well, she doesn't have to anymore. She shouldn't have come out to the family and opened her sentence with, so I fell over in the shower. Like, not a great prison story, Ellie. Dude, you need to get onto OHS in the in the bloody prison if people are slipping over in there. Maybe they need to put in some non, <laughs> non-slip tiles. Yeah, well, she's obviously got a lot of soap. But the thing is, is that I think when you say I slipped over in the shower, it's the Kennedy's job to say, okay, like you were beaten up, but you don't want to talk about it. Like we all know, it's it's like such a stereotypical line to say that we everyone knows it's not true. So just move on. Don't. I'm with Carl. Well, we need to move on to Kate's plant rant. I need to hear it. Yeah. Give me a home among the gum trees with lots of plum trees, a sheep or two, a kangaroo, a clothesline out the back, veranda out the front. And an old rocking chair. Okay, so just quickly, um, Toadie and Dee visited Ellie in the prison and Dee brought with her a pot plant from Sonia's nursery, which I have to say is looking in great shape for somewhere that's just been completely neglected. Lush, beautiful, fantastic. Also, special shout out to Nell and Hugo who are also alive. It's good to see them after Mm. so many weeks. 
Okay, so she brought the plant in and gave it to Ellie as a gift. And then Ellie just goes, oh, my God, don't trust Andrea, okay? Uh, Which was overheard by the prisoner at the next table and a guard walking past. Mm. So, of course, Andrea, top dog, has everyone in her pocket. So she found out basically before the visiting hours are over, (laughs) which then caused said beating. But what happens to the plant? The plant gets planted out into the outside garden, which was a nice choice. And then it was ripped up and thrown away. But what did Andrea say? She goes, oh, that's a nice plant. Oh, is it an aster? Is it? And I said to myself, technically, yes, it is an aster. It's a member of the Asteraceae family. But you'd more commonly call it a chrysanthemum, which is a Mother's Day flower because it's got the word mum at the end of it. Mm. So it's kind of like, Uh, No, I wouldn't call it an aster because if you like Google what asters look like, they look – every daisy is basically an aster. But that is definitely a chrysanthemum, you half-wish. I will be able to tell you in a few weeks, hopefully, what an aster looks like because my aster currently looks like Ellie's aster. Like it doesn't look great in great shape, but I've got a few sprouts. There should be flowering by the end of the month. Oh, ready ready for baby aster's arrival. Yeah, well, that's when I planted them because I was like, I need to – wait for something else to grow. And I had to put a chair over the pot because my cat kept digging them up. So my baby aster hasn't had a great journey, (laughs) but hopefully it'll look more like an aster than a chrysanthemum. But from what we can tell, better than this flower's journey. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I must say, adding that it's a Mother's Day flower onto it, that just makes it even more heartbreaking. Devastating. Oh, yeah, poignant. Um, can I just do a special shout-out to Andrea's power move? To Ellie, when she picked up a Tim Tam off Ellie's plate and then licked it, showing a lot of tongue. And that made me conclude that this prison does not have an apple gang. It's got a chalky biscuit gang. Because remember... Last week, she grabbed the plate of biscuits from the visitor's table. She did. It's a bis- chocolate biscuits are currency in this prison. Tim Tams. But maybe, I reckon that was a bit of a sexual thing as well. It's Ooh. like, watch out. Yeah. Someone's going to get Tim Tam slammed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, oh, but maybe Allie wouldn't mind. Look, she needs something to keep her mind off. Her romance would be good. She's gotten back into reading, but that might not be enough. No, I don't think it's enough for Allie. She needs to get back on that moonshine and find herself a partner or something. My, my favourite line of the week was from Andrea saying, oh, I can arcs around. <laughs> Classic. Hats off to Madeline West for that one. But also Andrea herself as a thespian, like if you're someone who says arcs in your day-to-day life, that must be so hard to act as D, fake D, and then put your asks back around them in the right order. <sighs> That was the best. Back in the Andrea situation, Andrea situation, when she first dropped back into her bogan drawl, that was just like, oh, this is magnificent. She's very talented. She could put on some plays in that prison. She should. Just to round off Sheila and Susan, we've gone on a Kennedy journey. And the the great thing is that they had that resolution in the Willis house, but then they had that other button to the scene in the street where Susan was putting away the shopping and Sheila offered to help her. She's like, no, I'm okay. And then the p- the pigeon came and landed on the car. Aww. And Sheila was like, so Gary's forgiven. And Susan's like, holy shit. <laughs> Susan's like, this is worse than I thought. <laughs> I Yeah, I, but I think now it can just be eccentric. You know, oh, Nan sees Gary in a bird. Oh, well. I hope. 
not. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. If it gets her through but she does start behaving, you know, going to work and, and, and having good times with her family because she's had some terrible times with her family this week as well um, with Kyle uh, before Naomi came with the, with the bird box. Oh, yeah. Well, at least it wasn't Sandra Bullock's bird box. It could have been a worse time. <laughs> mm. Sorry, just mentioning Naomi. Did you hear um, Paul shout out Naomi's crowning achievement at Lasseter's was that she um, ran the Erinsborough Festival where Harold nearly took out half the crowd. Where Harold nearly took out half the crowd, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what you want, an events person just making memories. Yeah, she's like, oh, I made an event to remember. <laughs> What a, what a little legend she is. I love her. And finally, the final thing I just wanted to mention for the week is that Chloe Brennan is now Ellie's ally. They're going to go into business with Claudia for Bummy Club on Bum Island. Oh, yeah. And she's going to use that opportunity to snoop and find out what her goals are with Asta. I, I was so thrilled when she spied Claudia getting into that desk drawer because one of the people I follow on YouTube is the lockpicking lawyer and he can just like I looked at that lock and I thought I reckon I could open that up with a bloody nail file that's piss easy that one just get in there jiggle it a bit and it open and sure enough that's what she did yeah you're watching a Franny Fisher as well you pick up a thing or two so she breaks and enters into the penthouse to go through that drawer well look I don't know if she had to because I mean she's the hotel one of the hotel senior staff there I reckon she'd just go all right I'll just get my key and put it in this uh you know lift control panel and I'll be able to go straight out into the penthouse I don't think it's ethical in <laughs> oh no it's not ethical but look hey they she does get full hotel services so what happened is that she saw an, she saw an invoice in there from Samantha to Claudia and it was important thing on it was that the date predated the the emergency custody hearing and so she's like oh this is you know there's a few lies going on here and um Aaron down the mines confronted Claudia about it in you know his usual dim-witted way and she's like oh no no I just got her to backdate that so you know the tax department in Switzerland blah 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 and he's like oh yes sweet that's fine which first of all Aaron Chloe's like, don't say anything. He grabs the file, runs down to Claudia. What are you doing, buddy? And he's all like, oh, yeah, this was under the desk. No, mate, entire manila folders don't just fall out of drawers and go under desks. Yeah, you know, Maybe one single piece of paper might, but you're just full of shit. I love that Claudia, first thing was, you shouldn't be going through my files. Yeah, good on her. the first thing she said. But also like, we'll clear out cell number seven because Claudia's coming in for fraud. <laughs> Oh, this is like Al Capone. Claudia will be brought down by the tax department. It'll be great. Shall we do citizen or citizen, do you think? Let's go for it. All right. My citizen is Naomi Canning. Welcome back, you sassy ray of light. High achiever, getting things done. I will go citizen, shitbag, Carl Kennedy. You're shitting me to tears. He's just been a big, big old whinger. Yeah, you can't doctor your wife. Is inviting people to stay in their house? Yeah, lucky she was okay with it. Lucky she likes D. <laughs> He's giving me the irrits and it's worrying me because Carl or Susan will be the namesake for my child and there's not many weeks for them to turn themselves around. <laughs> yeah, they better hurry up about it. <laughs> I am going to go with Citizen for Sheila Canning Ooh. for forgiving Susan. Um, I don't think... You know, forgiven but not forgotten, I think. Yeah. Um, but also I think that while 
holding resent against Susan was not good for her mental health. I don't blame her for oh, doing no. so. So it was quite big. It was quite big for her to have done that. Yeah. But it was getting to the point where it was hindering her own life. Yeah, it was. But but still, strong golden lady. Yeah. She did. Strong women bringing strong women back together. Well, uplifting. Well, what do we have? We have an event to look forward to next week on in the plot lines as well. Calls thrown an 18th for Mackenzie. Oh, God. What, what the? Does he even know her? No. I took it to mean that they'd hired the tram. Yeah. Yeah, they must have. Oh. Naomi has come back just in time to fix this party. Oh. Yeah, just in time. Please. But also I really worried because I'm the sort of person that gets nervous before an event, like before a birthday, before a milestone birthday that I'm throwing. In hindsight, I shouldn't have had that many parties. I'm not a party person. But Mackenzie's freaking out and I just think just do something cash, girl. Just do something low-key. Totally. It'll be okay. Totally. But yeah. at 18, you don't know that and you go forward with the things. Yeah. I'm the same as you. I don't like having a party but I still do it. Mm. And, um, yeah. yeah, and at 18, you can't you can't make those decisions. You just think, oh, I'm meant to have a party. And plus it's very early in the school year. I'm actually really glad that she she's – that her gender affirmation surgery, it's still up in the air when she might have it and so forth. I don't know if she needs to be 19, tw- almost 20 fin- when she finishes school. That's a bit stressful, isn't it? Yeah. Why is, why is she still leaning on Susan as a counsellor in this? Well, they made up. They made friends again. But also she's got her own counsellor. She doesn't. She's got her own therapy, which is very wise. Well, I think maybe she needs to come up with a plan of action and present that plan and an alternative to Susan and say, is this workable? What can we do? Also, there should be a senior school coordinator that is overseeing this stuff as well. Yeah. And the careers counsellor, because like, that's what she wants to talk about. Like, how is this going yeah. to impact, you know, like the next few years of my life in regard to education? Why not take a gap year next year? Have have the surgery, recover from the surgery, go into uni. I don't know. Affirmed. Yes. <laughs> um, well, I can't wait for the party. It's going to be crash and burn. Oh, I wonder if we'll get to see Paul Mercurio again. <laughs> oh, yeah. New steps, new steps. And hello to the future listeners who are being very good with spoilers and not listening to our pod until they've caught up on the UK apps. I admire your willpower and hello from the future slash your past. I don't know how time works, but thanks for eventually catching up. Yeah, thank you for keeping on with us. We appreciate it. Keep the faith. We'll be back again together. Yep. In the words of Vera Lynn, we'll meet again. Yeah, we will. We will. Is she a singer? Can I play that as an outro song? Definitely. Yeah, Great. yeah, you know, it's the World War II. We'll meet again. <laughs> don't know where. Don't know where. You're going back a little bit further in history than you normally do, Kate. Excuse me. Were you guys not around in bloody, whenever it was, 1995 at the end? Yeah, because, hey. Hello, it's VE Day today, which is when they like celebrated it 25 years ago. We were subjected to that bloody song ad nauseum. What do you mean VE Day? What's that? Oh, mate, did you did you even watch the Queen tonight? No. It's, it's the Victory in Europe Day, which it happened today, 75 years ago. I was listening to communist propaganda songs that my dad was playing in the car. Right? We had different issues to deal with. Oh, my my dad would not have allowed that at all. My dad's a like um whatever an anti monarchist is. What's that a Republican? Dude, it was on all bloody sources of media. You could not escape bloody Vera Lynn's wavering <laughs> voice singing a sad song about women farewelling men who were going off to be killed. Well, we'll we'll, we'll be reminded shortly. 
If you want to catch up on the media Kate's consuming, Kate, you're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. I'm at Remude. And actually, if you follow me, you will find me randomly tweeting now about Inspector Morse because that's what I've decided <laughs> to binge watch during ISO times. And um, because I love, I've written, one of my favorite shows is Endeavor, which is actually the prequel to Inspector Morse. And I really do recommend it to everybody. I actually got a message this week on Twitter and Andy Bruce said to me that I did some location work on Endeavor. And I was like, that that is bloody awesome because the production values on that show are excellent and the locations are beautiful and it really makes me want to time travel and visit Oxford in the 1960s. And speaking of time travel, Kate is growing into her true age. It's lovely to see. And, and CJ, who's installed TikTok, is also growing into her true age. Yeah. CJ, where are you? Um, I'm at CJ the Hot Mess Mom on Instagram and TikTok and we had some of our um, listeners, our neighbours council people follow me, so thank you. And I don't know what age I'm coming into, but it's going to be terrifying. It's, it's a brand new age for you is about to hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kate's going one way. I'm binging, buttoning it. and <laughs> TBC on me. Yeah. I'm at Vayapashos on Twitter. Follow the journey or Vays on Instagram. And we are, of course, the Neighbours Council on Facebook with lots of good times, chat threads and quizzes happening in there and neighbourspod.com for our back catalogue. And we'll have another chat in some form next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. We'll meet again. Don't know where. Don't know when. But I know we'll meet again. Some sunny day. Keep smiling through. Just like you. Always do Till the blue skies Drive the dark clouds Far away